Welcome to the Washington Union Alliance Church Podcast, an archive of our recorded sermons. We're a Christian and Missionary Alliance Church located in Newcastle, Pennsylvania. For more information, go to wuac.org. We have been in a series on being transformed. You know that your mind can be transformed. The scriptures say being transformed by the renewing of your mind. And sometimes we don't think that's the case, but our minds can be transformed. What can come through a transformed mind living through the power of the gospel and not looking at culture or the world around us, but placing our lenses through the eyes of the gospel and through Jesus? So it's so vital in today's world. So vital in today's world as we look at this, as we look at this, uh, look even just being transformed and looking at the gospel. So, and even in communities and cities like ours, just like Newcastle and, and churches like ours, and we need churches. Jesus needs churches who are transformed by the power of the gospel, folks living on purpose and on mission through the power of Jesus, and churches that spread the the truth of Jesus, but also um, who come alongside those and who who pierce the darkness of our world and and our churches shine brighter because of that, and who pierce the darkness, and then who exalt Jesus as king higher and higher and give him glory. We've been several different places over the last several weeks together. And so we're going to look at kind of a couple of those places again, and then also look to what, what happens um, sort of in this long obedience, in this discipleship journey, if we've been in a long obedience in the same direction. 2 Corinthians 5.17 says, if anyone's in Christ, the what? New creation has come. The old is gone. The new is here. It's everybody has the opportunity, whoever, everybody who trusts in Jesus has the opportunity. When, when we are accepted, when Jesus comes into our life, we are new creations. We are seen now as new people in the eyes of faith, in the eyes of God. Um, we are seen through the lens of Jesus. We are given brand new birth, and we are not perfect people, but we, uh, we walk in step with Jesus. We walk in obedience with Jesus, and we walk in step with him every step of the way in a long obedience in the same direction. And if you're struggling kind of with this following Jesus or stumbled or struggling with all of this, following Jesus aspect of this, like Peter was a disciple and stumbled and yet turned his back on Christ. He denied Christ and yet he was a front runner in the early church. He was called by God to be a front runner in the early church. So whatever season or situation or journey you're in in life currently, always be willing to just move one step closer to Jesus. That transformation process, this will take care of itself. If you take every step with Jesus Every single step becoming more and more like Jesus. As we walk closer to Jesus, um, we will become like Jesus. And this will kind of come for full circle today. Because I just want to speak to the somebody maybe here who is struggling with the comparison game. I mean, you're like, I am, I am comparing my life, my spiritual life to somebody else's. And I'm just downright discouraged. I am so discouraged because I see somebody else who's maybe who a little bit further along in their faith or a little bit further along in life, and I'm just struggling with that. Or maybe you're just like kind of, kind of asking, you're just in a season where you're like just asking God a bunch of questions. And you're like, man, I've got more tears and more unanswered questions than I'd like to admit and more sleepless nights and more late night walks, and I've got more noise I can't recover from and frustrating moments, and I've got a bunch of family tension in my life. And I just want to say, like, just move step closer with Jesus every step of the way. 
God sees it. God knows it. God walks with you. And that's why he sent his son Jesus to identify with us, to walk with us through it, and to understand us as well. And it may seem like sometimes, church, and if you're like kind of comparing yourself and you're like, man, I just feels like it's two steps forward, one step back, and it just feels like it's chaotic and messy and it's frustrating and I can't see where God is in the midst of this or progressing or I don't know where I'm at currently with this whole situation. Walking is just chaotic. I just want to say like God's with you. And he's right there in the midst of it. God is right there in the midst of all of that. And I'm challenged. And I don't know, but I'm challenged by this, these couple verses. 1 Thessalonians 5, 16 through 18 say this. Rejoice always. Pray continually. Give thanks in all circumstances. For this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. And when I read the always, I'm like, God, always? Like, I want to put a qualifier in that. Rejoice always. When I read a qualifier, I'm like, God, let me fill in the blank here a little bit. Like, God, you don't understand my circumstance. You don't know what I'm going through. God, pray continually. God, I've prayed continually, and I don't sense your nearness to me. I'm far too gone. I've been gone far too long. I think God forgot my phone number. I think the cobwebs are actually on the phone number, and I think God would be so busy enough. He would be too busy enough because I haven't phoned home in so long. I haven't called him in forever. I think he's probably forgotten about my phone number, and I just can't, I can't even, he won't pick up the phone on me. He just won't. I'm in a circumstance. Maybe you're like in a life that you did not dream for yourself and a life that you wish you did not have. And God knows it, and God knows it all. And you're in a place or you're in a life situation that you did not choose or a job or a career or a life that just did not, you did not expect this to happen. And yet God knows the situation you're in. He understands it and he's molding you and he's using you in the midst of all of that. He's molding you and he's using those circumstances and to mold you into the image of Jesus. So this is a, this is a message that probably has to do with many of us today. We're all struggling a certain with this, I'm sure, um, and struggling or have wrestled with this, Right. What does following Jesus look like in a world that craves instantaneous results? What does it mean to follow Jesus in a world um, instantaneous results? In a world in a culture that's like now, now how can I quickly fix it? How can I find it? How fast can I purchase it? How quick can something change? What does the scripture say about following Jesus in a world that craves instantaneous results and being faithful to Jesus? How do we in a gospel culture and be faithful to the gospel in a culture that is fixated on hurry and like right now? So what does it mean to follow Jesus? Jesus in a social media age. Anyone struggling with that? We won't raise our hands with that. Anyone struggling with the world of kind of following Jesus in the midst of this a social media age or what about how to follow Jesus and how to be faithful to the gospel? How to be faithful in a world that seeks to be in a hurry for everything? In a world of shortcuts and quick fixes, what might it look like to be faithful followers of Jesus? over a long period of time, who follow Jesus, who follow Christ in a world that is grabbing for your attention, whether you know it or not, a world that is constantly grabbing for your attention at every single turn. You see, becoming like Jesus is an ongoing, lifelong process of being daily submitted to Jesus. And at the moment when someone says yes to Jesus, when we are saved, we experience transformation. And yet it's a daily submission to Jesus. It's a daily submitting. Church, don't be discouraged if you're like, I'm not quite there yet or somebody else. Your journey is your spiritual journey. You may not be there yet or you may, you may be struggling with comparison with somebody else. And don't compare. 
um, compare in terms, of, in terms of sharpening each other's iron and encouraging each other and challenging each other in those areas. Um, but just daily, it is daily following Jesus and submitting to Jesus as well. And I sometimes think we're, we've lost a little bit of this following Jesus because we are so immersed in a culture of me, a me-centered world. What can I get out of this rather than what can I give? Jesus never meant for this to be about getting what we want. He wants us to become more like him. And as the church continues to be, remain faithful in the 21st century, it is imperative that the church remains faithful to the teachings of Jesus and faithful to the gospel, which is a, in a world that desires to get rather than give. And although we've been centered, we've been, we've been centering around these few verses in the New Testament in the book of Romans, um, and I hope you've met, maybe have memorized a couple of these verses uh, for, for you. Let's, let's actually recite this out loud if you read this with me. Romans 12, 1 through 2 says this. Say this with me. Therefore, I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true and proper worship. Do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you'll be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good and pleasing and perfect will. What would it look like, church, if we can be, if he, we can be transformed by the renewing of our mind? What would it look like? What would it do for our communities, our friends, our neighbors, our, our churches here, our, our communities of faith? What would it look like to be transformed by the renewing of our minds, fixated on Jesus, fixated on the Holy Spirit, fixated on his word? Because our minds can so often be the places where it plays tricks on us, and we sort of perceive the world and, and judge the world and filter the world and filter others through our mind. But what would it look like to be transformed by Jesus, by his spirit, by his word? What would it look like to have joy-filled and spirit-filled missionaries in this room renewed by the only person that is able to, to renew us by the Holy Spirit? And the only person able to do that is Jesus Christ through the Holy Spirit, because our mind often plays tricks on us and games on us, and it can often kind of be this kind of struggling aspect. We can play games, and, and we can get swayed, and we can get sway us one way or the other in the other direction, and our minds can cause us to go one way or the other. But what would it look like to be transformed by the renewing of our minds? What would it look like to be transformed? Because the devil wants to attack your mind. The enemy wants to attack your mind in my mind, and he's going to try everything that he possibly can to do that. So what would it look like to be on guard and on mission, but also being transformed by our minds? We're going to go a few different places, but I do want to go to Matthew chapter 16. It's on page 694 of the Bible in front of you. It's also on the screen behind me. Uh, Matthew chapter 16, a few verses there. Um, but we at this church, we value the preaching and teaching of the scriptures. And I pray that you would find a church that does the same, that does preach and teach from the scriptures faithfully. Matthew 16, verse 24 and 25. Just two verses. Then Jesus said to his disciples, Whoever wants to be my disciple must what? Deny themselves and take up their what? Cross and follow me. For whoever wants to save their life will lose it, but whoever loses their life for me will find it. 
You see, finding life in Jesus means, means, to, means dying. In a culture of self-seeking, what can I find more pleasure? How can I find it? In a culture of more stuff and more things, Jesus says the means by which life is going to be found is through a symbol of death, and it's through a cross. The only way to a meaningful life is to lose the way of life we've been living and then exchange it for a cross. And as author Brett McCracken states, to be a Christian is to accept the discomfort as a way of life inspired by a cruel, rugged old cross, a symbol of scorn and degradation. A picture of what it means to be a disciple has to be met with the loss of being our own boss. Can I say that again? A picture of what it means to be a disciple of Jesus has to be met with the loss of being our own boss. For as much as we want to have complete control over our lives, it requires us to surrender our will. And Jesus is Lord, and we are not. Jesus is Lord, and we are not. And we have to put our desire, we have to put that desire. We, we often want to be God. We often want to be God, and we have to control, we want to control our own lives, and we have to let him reign in us. Now, so this is kind of what I want to say. When Jesus says, like, we maybe have heard this before, like, deny yourself, take up your cross, follow me. Now, when Jesus says deny yourself, he does not mean don't enjoy anything about this life. That is not what that means. Don't, don't enjoy anything about this life. Um, and it also doesn't mean don't take care of yourself. Like, that this, that's not what he means by this here. He does not mean we don't have to go through life. This is, don't, you have to go through life miserable or you can't enjoy anything, nor can you, do you have to neglect your own needs. God's given us a thousand gifts to enjoy, and we can enjoy the good things he's given us for his glory. It's Mark 10, 1045 reminds us that Jesus came to serve, came to not to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. Christianity and the following Jesus aspect of this is all about sacrifice. It's all about sacrifice rather than personal gain and service rather than power. And Jesus came to serve in a world that so often very wants to hoard and look out for our own interests and, and sort of be about us. Jesus says he's come to give us this life and to not simply just help us be better people, but to give us new life through his spirit to give us new life and birth through his Holy Spirit. And John 10.10, he says, I've given you life, and I've given you life to the absolute, what? Fullest. And we don't need to raise our hands to this. But is anyone anxious here today? Anyone anxious? Anyone feeling a bit bogged down by just being anxious? Bogged down by anxiousness, feeling as though life is going from one thing to the next, and you're just exhausted by the burnout and the pace that life can bring? Our culture doesn't really have time for slowness, does it not? And I think God does his best work in times of being slow. And I wonder if we've missed the opportunity or we missed the basics of what it means to be a disciple, to deny ourselves, to take up our cross, and to follow. We've oftentimes we've shortcutted the way to that being a disciple. And I'm, the life that I'm calling to live, like calling you to live, Jesus says, is to actually lose your life. Yet often our minds go to what Scott Hubbard has said. Yet when we read the words of Jesus, deny yourself, we have a tendency to hear, take your little bit of happiness and trample on it. That's when we hear that. It can seem very confusing when Jesus says, deny yourself, take up your cross and follow me. But here's the perspective on this. Joy is found when we submit to Jesus' lordship and submit to his way of life. And yes, this often does sort of rub up against some of the things this rubs up against some of the things of this world, maybe some of the patterns that we have lived before. 
And it does sort of rub against some of those habits that we have in the past. Yes, it, it does do that. When we follow Jesus, we have to deny some of the things that we have been doing because they are destructive to us, they're destructive to our life. Um, but when Jesus says deny himself, he's now saying this, Jesus has authority in our life. He has absolute authority in our life. And we deny ourselves, we give Jesus the credit that he deserves. And that includes doing it, what Jesus said and did in this life. When we deny ourselves, we allow Jesus to remain more fully into our life. When we deny ourselves, we're giving the Spirit more control and more room for the Spirit to work. And when we say no to what the world says and how to follow and to live in step, we say yes to the way of Jesus as defined in the Scriptures. And that's when He reigns more fully into our life. But yet this denying, sometimes the denying self, take up your cross and follow me, it is more than just a slogan. It is more than a bumper sticker. It is more than just simply a periodic practice. We are called to do this daily, church. And as Jesus says in Luke's gospel, it's a life of holiness. It's a life that's more than just a slogan. It's a life of calling. And Jesus says, take up your cross. He's meaning that following him often comes with a cost. A symbol of the cross in Jesus' day was actually for criminals and, and for those who were the highest of punishment, those who had rebelled against authority and those who would carry their down in Jesus with the, these criminals would be, would be hung on a cross. It was the cruelest form of punishment in Jesus' day, those who had rebelled against authority. And Jesus is saying that, that Jesus would be the, actually the one to carry his own cross down the road and he would carry that and it would be the means by which he'd be killed was a cross. And to carry his own means of torture and to know and to still do it and to still die and yet still be the one to carry our cross. And Jesus says, take up your cross, my cross, daily. It's an act of submission. It's a way of life. It's an all-encompassing lifestyle when we take up our cross to say, daily submit to Jesus daily submit to him. Hebrews 12, 2 says this, fixating our eyes on who? Jesus, the pioneer and perfecter of the faith, for the what? Joy set before him, he endured the cross, scorning its shame, and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. Considered him who endured such opposition from sinners so that you won't grow weary and lose heart. You notice that? The joy as a result of following Jesus. Joy is a result of following Jesus. And yet when we often look to the fleeting pleasures of this world and all that it has for us, it's not what Jesus is intending here. And we as Christians have to keep an eternal view in mind. We have to keep an eternal view. And that part of the cross, part of bearing that cross, is understanding that this world is not all that there is and in certainly keeping eternity in our view and certainly keeping that in mind. And I sometimes wonder if we've just lost perspective in that. Just wonder if we have lost perspective in the way of following Jesus. We've lost the eternal view and perspective. And the church, for the church, the calling is Jesus. The calling is Christ and the Christ life and is nothing else. It is the function of the church, the chief function of the worth, to call people to a way to Jesus, to call people in his way of Jesus. And I just wonder sometimes, like, who might be discipling us? Who might be speaking into our life? Who are, what are the ways in which or who is speaking into our life? Is it the way of busyness? Social media? What are the ways in which things are speaking into our life? And what are the ways the church ought to be the church? 
and saying no to what maybe the world may be saying the church ought to be? Or is it the way of Jesus as the church, persevering, enduring, cross-bearing, hope-pursuing, right? The, the way of Jesus, right? That is the church. That is the church. Yet some of us were caught in between this very frenzied pace of life. So the average American, the average American spends 705 hours on social media per year. That is 29 days, full days out of the year, including sleep. So a TV, an average American spends about 2,737 and a half hours on TV. That is 114 days out of the year. Mind-boggling. Uh, what else could we be giving thousands of hours to our year-round? Can I be honest? I'm guilty, number one, of saying, I would wish there were more hours in the day. Has anyone else said that before? You're like, I wish I had more hours in the day. We're all guilty of that. I'm guilty party number one. If only I had more hours in the day than blank, right? But yet sometimes even that, even, sometimes even in that thought, I'm a little bit frenzied <laughs> with that even thought. We think that like sometimes God's gift of days and what he's gifted us isn't enough. We're unsettled often in that. Right? Maybe this is some things like in 20 minutes, maybe we ride 20 in the morning for 20 minutes. We play, uh, maybe your, your game is like Candy Crush or something like that on your phone or something like that. Um, in 20 minutes, we could pray for every one of our friends and family. In an hour of TV before bed, we could read through the entire Bible in six months. We could practice Sabbath keeping one day out of the week set aside for worship and to truly take God at his word that one particular day. Worship and rest and take that seriously as well. It's frenzied pace of life. And I wondered what Jesus, what the Lord might have for us in this very frenzied life that we live. And when Jesus calls us to deny ourselves, he is doing so to appeal for true and lasting joy. And what are some habits? What are some ways that we can start to sort of really follow Jesus in a very frenzied world, in a very frantic pace in life? Um, and when we know what we've been promised, if you know what you have been promised in Jesus, you have been promised eternal life. You have been promised to live more fully, that when we're promised eternal life, yes, we're promised life in the age to come, but we are promised life now, and that helps us live into much more fuller joy when we know exactly where we're going. We know when we can live into much more experience of a fullness of joy now when we know where exactly we are going in the life to come. Jesus says in Matthew 6, 19 to 21, and by the way, nobody knows, we have no, none of us know the day or the hour when Christ returns, but none of us know the day or the hour when we will pass away. None of us know it. And it's best to be on guard for all of that now as church. Like it's best for us to be on guard. None of us know the time when God will call us home and none of us know the time when God is going to come back, when Jesus is going to come back, make everything right again. Matthew 6, 19, 21. Don't store up treasures here on earth where moths eat them and rust destroys them and where thieves break in and steal. Store up your treasures in where? Heaven, where moths and rust and cannot destroy and thieves do not break in and steal. Wherever your treasure is, there the desires of your heart will be. And I just sort of read this. When we talk about the first Thessalonians passage, and I sort of read this, I'm like, what about the new car I have? Right? Or what about the, what about the pickup truck you've always dreamed of? 
that you've got saved on your phone and you are looking at the pickup truck on your phone and you're looking at that. What about the five-car garage? Right? All of that's going to eventually rust. And those in themselves aren't bad things to pursue. Can I say that? Like those things in themselves are not bad things to pursue. But what if the mentality of that is actually damaging to our soul to the point that it's hindering us to follow Jesus more fully. Perhaps it's damaging to the point that it's hindering us to follow Jesus. Are our treasures zeroed in on what the world defines as treasure or on God's purposes in the world around us? It reminds me, growing up, of the Great Pyramids. Has anyone seen a pyramid, like, in person? Anyone ever seen a pyramid at all? In person. Okay, no one. Um, it just reminds me of growing up about the Great Pyramids. Um, aside, I just, the Great Pyramids are a head scratcher, um, mostly because they're not sure how they were built. As far as I know, I think it's just they're not sure how these things were built. Um, and the Great Pyramids are, a, are just this crazy head scratcher. Um, they, dis, they constructed these Great Pyramids to act as burials for dead people. And then they had their treasures be stored in them. And now many of their treasures now are in museums to be glanced through windows. And all of, I can't, just all of that, all of the labor, I'm not sure how they did it, but all of that labor for someone who is now dead. It just struggled and it's buried their treasure into the pyramids. And now many of them are in museums for us to um, put our fingerprints on and look at them in the, in the, uh, behind the glass, you know. Uh, but all of that for, for someone who's dead. But the symbol of the cross was meant as the highest form of punishment in the Roman world. Everything that might threaten the rule of Caesar and the Romans, that person could be punished on a cross in a very public and gruesome way to die. It was the worst of all punishment. Taking up our crosses does not mean like minor inconveniences. Like maybe for you to take, sometimes we sort of apply that to mean like I had to take up my cross today because I had to go to a different restaurant because they were closed. Um, or you had to purchase another type of shirt or something and we'd take up our cross. But it's more than that. It's anything that threatens the advancing of the kingdom of God in us has to be put to death. The cross was the symbol of those who tried to threaten the rule of Caesar and people died because of that. And when we take inventory in us, when we take inventory in us of anything that is not in accordance with God's purposes, we have to take stock in our lives. Christ in you and then Christ in me because the purposes of the world. Attitude and action. Attitude and action. Anything in us that does not advance Christ and his kingdom must be put to death. Anything that inhibits us from becoming like Christ has to be, has to be put to death. Maybe for you it's like bitterness has to be put to death. Maybe for you, it's like apathy. You're kind of like apathetic a little bit. It's like has to be put to death. Maybe for you, uh, maybe for you, it's uh, maybe it's you escape from the world. That has to be put to death. Maybe for you, you escape from the world, and maybe it's when you do that, you escape to the computer and go to the iPhone. And you know it's not, you know that is not advancing Christ's kingdom in you and you know that's destructive and you go to the computer or go to the iPhone and that's not advancing Christ's kingdom in you. Maybe someone wronged you a long time ago and you think forgiving them is punishing you and you're holding bitterness because you were right. Anything, anything that is not advancing Christ's kingdom in us must be put to death. 
And that includes bitterness. And that includes unforgiveness. And maybe you've come to the stop sign. Maybe you've come to a four-way stop. And you've got four cars around. And you see everyone's car is better than yours. And you're living a life of constant comparison. Constant comparison. And you have a spirit of envy in you. And a spirit of thankfulness has exited your heart. And that does not advance Christ's kingdom. Spirit of envy does not advance Christ's kingdom. A spirit of bitterness does not advance it either. You see, discipleship is a long obedience in the same direction. It is following Jesus daily, submitting to Jesus daily. And it's why Jesus says in Luke 9.23 that we, Jesus said, if anyone wants to come after me, he must deny himself and take up his cross daily and follow me. And maybe we've known nothing other than church our entire life. Maybe we have grown up in the church. In fact, the very first Sunday after we were born, we were placed in the nursery. <laughs> um, maybe we've known nothing other than the church, or maybe we haven't. Maybe we have not grown up. But we can also, if we all in, in this spectrum, if we've grown up in the church, or we have, uh, we've we followed Jesus for a long time, we can certainly not be fully advancing and repenting and looking inward and looking at our lives if it's not advancing the kingdom of God. Daily submitting to Jesus, daily trusting in Jesus, daily turning from sin. And our culture wants very quick fixes and very fast results. Yet I'm, I'm convinced that discipleship is a long obedience in the same direction, a long obedience in the same direction. And oftentimes what we need to hear, church, is just to persevere, to persevere and be patient and submit to God's slow work in our lives. James 1 James 1 reminds us to consider it pure joy, my brothers and sisters, whenever you face trials of many kinds, because you know that the testing of your faith produces what? Perseverance. And let perseverance finish its work so that you may be mature and complete, not lacking in anything. There are lessons that can only be taught in the Christian life through persevering. When things feel bleak or when things feel very spiritually dark or when things feel very difficult or when circumstances don't seem to find very clear-cut answers, we daily submit to following Jesus. And if you're struggling to find this will of God or struggling to find this path for your life, deny yourself daily, take up your cross, and follow Jesus. And there you will find the will of God. So this is what I might say to you, church. Keep sowing. Keep sowing. Keep sowing. The Christian life is meant to be lived for a lifetime. Don't be deceived. In Galatians chapter 6, it reminds us to not be deceived. God cannot be mocked. A man reaps what he sows. Whoever sows to please their flesh from the flesh will reap destruction. And whoever sows to please the Spirit from the Spirit will reap what? Eternal life. Let us not become weary in doing good, for at the proper time we will reap a harvest if we do not what? Give up. Can we say that again? Can we just can we read that again? Somebody might need to hear that again. Let us not become weary in doing good, for at the proper time we will reap a harvest if we what? Don't give up. Don't give up. Because perseverance must finish its work so that you may have joy and joy to the fullest. So, areas are there areas of unalignment in our life currently? Areas of unalignment with the purposes of God in our life. Are there areas in which we are not aligned with the purposes of God in our heart and life? We have to ask ourselves those questions. As, decide, as people, as people who follow Jesus, are there areas of unalignment with God's purposes in our heart and our life? There is a cost to following Jesus. There is a cost to pay to following Christ. Walk with Jesus daily. Deny yourself. Take up your cross 
and follow me. Deny ourselves daily to follow Jesus. Amen? Amen. Worship team, will you come up as we sing this song?